Amen. Amen. <laughs> I like it. Well, Merry Christmas. I'm glad that you all are here today on Christmas Day. I mean, what a wonderful time. What a wonderful and great day to, to celebrate Jesus. I mean, what a, what a wonderful thing. And, and I'm just so excited about that, you know, uh, being in church on Christmas Day. Um, sometimes it doesn't happen that way. And I think the next time will be 11 years or something like that from today. So uh, what a blessing. Um, this morning, we're going to be in um, Luke chapter one. If you have your scripture and want to open up to that, um, man, I can't believe how much time I get this morning. It's going to be good. The, um, you know, the children uh, were putting on an annual Christmas play at church and uh, uh, to show the radiance of the Savior in the manger, they they put a little light in there and uh, it was hidden in the manger and at the appropriate moment, all the other lights were supposed to go out and um, except the one that was in the manger, but the, the, the young man that was controlling the, 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 the panel of lights, he got confused and he shut off all the lights and there was uh, this darkness there and the shepherds were standing there. And uh, finally, the silence was broken when one of the shepherds, he said, uh, hey, you switched off Jesus. <laughs> you switched off Jesus. You know, even though we all know that Christmas is about the birth of our Savior, it's easy to get caught up in the cultural approach to the holiday and switch off Jesus. We do that. You know, some years ago, uh, I was pastor at, uh, in Dublin and our secretary was preparing the, um, you know, the, the newsletter that we send out. And, uh, she asked me, uh, it was a December newsletter. And she asked me if we had any special, uh, Christmas, you know, family traditions. And, and so, uh, not sure what she was looking for. I, I, I rep replied kind of dryly. I said, uh, we give gifts to one another. And, um, you know, apparently she didn't think giving gifts was unique enough to put in the newsletter. So I don't know. You know, everybody, everybody celebrates Christmas and we usually give gifts to one another. And, um, but more accurately, I would say we don't give gifts. We trade gifts. We trade gifts. And I, I, I make that point because, you know, somebody, if they give me something, I think, well, you know, wow, I've got to get them something. And, and so I get them something that's maybe comparable in exchange. And it just feels uncomfortable to us just to receive without trying to balance the scale. When somebody gives us something, we want to equal it out somehow. And it, and it feels uncomfortable to us. But at the very heart of Christmas is the, the story that, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, born in a humble stable, born to give his life for us on the cross. I mean, we can't possibly even the score by giving back to God. His gift was too great too precious. And yet out of gratitude for what he has done for us, I mean, we should respond from the heart by, by doing all that we can for him, not to pay him back, 
but to say thank you for such an indescribable gift. And, and I, I love this because, you know, while there's nothing wrong with dreaming of a white Christmas or having a Christmas tree or giving gifts to one another, the real meaning of Christmas is all about our salvation. It's about what Jesus did for us. And salvation deals with the the messy fact that that sinners need to be rescued from God's judgment. And God sent his son to bear the judgment that guilty sinners deserve. So if at Christmas time we don't think about the fact that God sent the Savior... If we don't think about that, that God sent the Savior, then we've switched off Jesus. You know, as the angel told the shepherds that night when Jesus was born, for today in the city of David, there is born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Man, I love that. I love that. The theme of of salvation also comes through the prophecy of Zacharias. And I want to, I want to just camp out in this passage tonight or this morning, excuse me. The, 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 the father of the forerunner, John the Baptist, Zacharias, when his son was born, he, 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 he opened his mouth and he began to prophesy. And what we have is, is his words in, in Luke 1, 67 and following. And, and I want to read this, uh, this, these verses um, down through verse 79, uh, and um, then we'll move on from there. But we're just going to camp out in this passage uh, this morning. It says, God's word says in verse 67, Luke chapter 1, and his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Verse 72, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he spoke to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Loving Father, we thank you for your word and Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just illuminate our hearts and minds. Um, Father, that we would see 
this real meaning of Christmas. Father, that you loved us so very much that you gave your son Jesus so that we could be redeemed for all eternity. Father, what a great gift you've given us in Jesus. And Father, we thank you this morning for that. Guide us as we look at your word. I pray, Father, that you would just open our eyes, open our heart, open our mind. Help us to see your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I love uh, what my brother John Webb says when he's, when he's teaching sometimes. He's got his Bible open and he's sitting there and he says, it's all here. It's all right here. And I just love that because it's all right here this morning in this passage. I mean, you think about this, you know, you recall that although Zacharias was a godly man, several months before this took place, um, he, he doubted that, that he and his wife Elizabeth could have a baby in their old age. And so the Lord made it where he couldn't speak. He struck him uh, where he could not speak. And, and uh, it, it's crazy because now the son was born. Okay, the whole time she was pregnant with him, he was not able to talk. And now that he has been born, Zacharias's tongue has been restored and, and filled with the Holy Spirit. He spoke this prophecy that focuses on the great salvation that God was about ready to bring about, that is, is coming about. Okay, and, and, and you, you think about this because it shows us that Christmas means that God sent us the Savior in the person of Jesus Christ. See, our greatest need at Christmas time is not more things. It's not more things. We all have plenty of stuff. We have, we have more than we need. And, and, and neither is it for personal fulfillment, though many think that is what they need and they are insanely trying to find it. Our greatest need is not even for the love of family and friends, although that is something that, that is important. But that's not our greatest need. The greatest need of every person, every human being, is for salvation because we have all sinned against God. So that is our greatest need, is for salvation. Because if we die in our sins, we face God's judgment. We face his judgment. God's salvation reconciles us with him and it gives us this hope both for time right now and for eternity. And, and our primary need is to know that we have received God's salvation. And I love this because salvation is the theme of Zechariah's prom, uh, prophecy here. He mentions redemption. He mentions the fact that uh, we, we have need of salvation and being rescued. And I want to draw out of this out of this passage four themes that are related to salvation from these verses. Now, just bear with me. If you're taking notes, this is a great one. The, the first thing that I want to draw out here is that salvation, <laughs> salvation is God's doing, not our doing. Salvation is God's doing, not our doing. See, salvation is of the Lord. And this comes through strongly in these verses. 
And, and note first that, that the Lord God visited us. That's what it says in verse 68, excuse me. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us. You know what that means? That means we did not go searching for him. We did not go searching for him. He came and visited us. And he saw our helpless condition. And he came down to meet our enormous need in the person of our Savior. You know, this prophecy... This prophecy is steeped in the Old Testament. And, and the theme of God visiting his people comes from Genesis chapter 50. And you remember in, in, that, uh, in that area in, in Genesis, as, as Joseph was dying, um, he was dying in Egypt, he predicted that God would visit his descendants and bring them from there to the land that he had promised to Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. But then, after the birth of the forerunner of Messiah, you have Zechariah prophesying what God is going to do. Knowing that the angel's promise to Mary was that she would bear the Son of God, Zechariah prophesies, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us. He has fulfilled the prophecy. The promise that he made way back here is now being fulfilled. And that's exactly what Zacharias is saying. But God has done more than that. He not only saw our desperate condition and, and sent us help, he took on human flesh. Not as a mighty king so that he could uh, be above our weaknesses, but as a baby being subject to our frailty, but without sin. He came in human flesh. As if that were not enough, Jesus then took our sin on himself, upon the cross, as he died for your sin and mine, bearing the penalty that we deserve. It was all God's doing. It was all God's doing because of his tender mercy. That's what it says in verse 78. Because of his tender mercy, not because we deserved it. So God visited us in the birth of Jesus. There's other evidences in our text that salvation is God's doing and not our doing. I mean, it says in verse 68, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption. He accomplished redemption. And I love that. He, it says also that in verse 69 that he raised up a horn of salvation for us. I mean, this is, this is, this is big stuff. See, the horn is a symbol of the strength of an animal. You think about maybe a bull having a, having a horn. And, and here it points to the fact that salvation required God's mighty power. Because our enemy is so strong. But God did it. He raised up a horn of salvation. He did it in accordance with many prophecies which he had given centuries before. It talks about in this passage, the prophets of old, that he had given them these prophecies. You know, Alfred Edersheim, he found more than 400 uh, prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament. 
400 in the Old Testament, even apart from these specific prophecies, the entire Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. It all points to him. You know, God sent the Savior in accordance with his oath. God promised Abraham that he would make him a mighty nation. He promised him all of these things. And with his covenant with Abraham, he, he sent the Savior. But he also raised up John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, in accordance with the prophecies made hundreds of years before. The point is this, that God did all of this apart from any human initiative. Apart from any effort on our part, apart from any merit or ability, God planned it, he prophesied it, he, in spite of Zachariah's doubts and the inability, his inability to even have a child at their old age, God did this. And that's what Zechariah is saying. See, we can't do anything to earn it or work for it. The salvation God provided in Jesus Christ comes totally from his doing and not ours. All we can do, the only thing we can do is receive it. Just like a gift. Somebody gives you a gift, you receive it. That's all we can do is receive it. So if you think that you can somehow save yourself or, or provide for your own salvation, then you don't understand what Christmas means. Because God gave us an indescribable gift in Jesus Christ. Secondly, I would say this. Salvation is accomplished through the person of Jesus Christ. This horn of salvation is from the house of David. You remember that Zechariah and Elizabeth were both descendants from Aaron, the house of Levi. <laughs> they were come from the house of Levi, the tribe of Levi. But Jesus descended from the tribe of Judah, which is David's house. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. And look also in verse 76, it says, and you child, and he's talking about John the Baptist. He's talking about his son and you child will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. See, it shows that the coming savior was none other than the Lord God in human flesh. Think about it. He was going forth before the Lord to prepare the way of the Lord. You see, the Lord, the Lord who is God, is Jesus. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is God in human flesh. So Jesus, the Lord, who is God, is Jesus. And Zechariah refers to the Savior as the sunrise from on high in verse 78. And this is a, a reference to Malachi, the prophecy from Malachi, which would have been 400 years earlier, 
that the, the, the sunrise would, would, would come from on high. The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. I mean, Jesus himself said in John chapter eight, he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus Christ is the savior whom Zacharias and all of scripture prophesied. So as the angel told Joseph, after uh, explaining how Mary conceived through the Holy Spirit, he told him, he said, you shall call his name Jesus. He will save the people from their sins. It is Jesus. He is the one who uh, our salvation is through him. Thirdly, I would say this, that salvation means the forgiveness of our sins by God's mercy. It's God's mercy. You know, in the earlier part of this prophecy, Zacharias speaks of salvation and, and with reference kind of to a, a national deliverance from, you know, the, the enemies, uh, I want to say enemy nations, people who were against them in verse 71 and also in 74. But this political aspect of salvation, understand this, the political aspect of our salvation will be fulfilled in Christ's second coming when he will return to defeat Israel's enemies and establish his kingdom rule over all the earth. But you see in the Jews in Jesus's day, they erred in that they saw God's salvation through Messiah almost completely and only in political terms. This is why they needed John the Baptist to preach the repentance of sins, the repentance of baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And it was consisted in the, um, in verse 77, it says to give his people, and this is talking about the forerunner, the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. And so what it was, was it, it, it literally, it means consisted in the forgiveness of their sins, their salvation is, is, is in that. And, and John preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And even though, even though Israel, God's chosen people, okay, even though they, uh, by nationality, they still had to be reconciled to God individually through repentance and through the forgiveness of their sins. And that is really what John the Baptist is preaching. He's preparing the way so that when people understand who Jesus is, they will recognize they need to repent individually. That's why he's, he came, to prepare the way for Jesus. And since God is holy, no sinner can stand in his presence. Since he is just, he cannot dismiss the sins without the payment of the penalty. The Bible says that the penalty for sin is death. Romans 6. The penalty for our sins is death. But because of his tender mercy, he took on himself the penalty that we deserved so that we could go free. Folks, that does something to me. 
That does something to me. That somebody would pay my debt. The thing, the punishment that I deserve because of my sin, because of what I have done. It's been paid for by Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross and died. Jesus would later say, John would later say, Jesus, he would announce him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Look with me at verse 79. It says, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. You know, Zechariah brings in a couple of uh, references from Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 60, which describe those who need God's salvation as those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. Picture this. It's a picture of travelers who have lost their way in the wilderness and then night comes upon them. The sun sets and and night falls and it's a graphic picture of those who sit in darkness and, and the shadow of death that comes from our sin. And they're lost in the darkness. They don't know where the path is. They can't find it. And not knowing uh, where they're going or what they're supposed to do. They're afraid because they are in the darkness. They are afraid of death. They don't know what to do. They can't do anything to find their way. What they really need is light. And then at Christmas... They hear that a savior has been born and the glimmer of hope begins to dawn. And they also hear that this savior died to save his people from their skin, from their sin. And the sky brightens up. And then they hear that God offers forgiveness of sins freely because of his tender mercy. And the sun rises to full light in their soul, guiding them into his way of peace. They're no longer afraid. They're no longer in darkness because of God's tender mercy. That word tender in verse 78, because of the tender mercy of God, it points to God's deep compassion for sinners. Sometimes we think that we've done too much, that we've been too bad, that we've, we've done too much sin, that, that God would not want us, that he would reject us. I've had people say, well, if I go to church, the, the, the ceiling's going to fall in. No, it won't. I don't believe. Because God loves sinners that much. He waits it cost him a lot for him to, to give his son. And, and, and I asked the question, have you experienced his tender mercy in your life today? Do you need forgiveness? Because if you do, then bring the rags of all your good works and your sins and come to Jesus because he carried the penalty in his body on the cross. Because of his tender mercy, God will pardon everyone who seeks his forgiveness. 
See, salvation means the, the forgiveness of our sins comes by God's mercy. And there's no such thing as a sin that is greater than the tender mercies of God. No sin is greater than his mercy. So salvation is, is God's doing. It's not ours. It's accomplished through Jesus Christ. And it's the means of forgiveness of sins is by God's mercy. But that's not all. <laughs> There's a final theme here. Number four, salvation results in a life of holy service to God. Notice what Zacharias says in verse 74 and 75. He says, to grant us that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. You know, when I was a kid, I was very shy. I was a bashful young man. The last thing I ever wanted to be was up in front of people. But I want you to understand something. What you see in me that has no fear is God. It's God. I love this because he says there that we might serve him without fear. You know, if, if you had to get up and preach in front of people, many of you would probably feel fear. But we're not sitting in the darkness. We're not afraid of death. We're not afraid of what somebody might do to us. Because we have this way of peace that God has given us. We've been forgiven. We've been redeemed for all eternity. For me to die is Jesus. I'm not afraid of anything down here. There are times where we get scared of something or afraid of something, but when we walk with Jesus, when we walk in his light, we can serve him as it says that we might serve him without fear. I mean, contrary to what some people think, salvation is not primarily about us and our happiness. Oh, the Christian life is, is blessedly happy and it's filled with joy and gladness. But God doesn't save us so that we can live happily ever after. That's not what God does. It, you know, ignoring the needs of other people. He saves us so that we might bring glory to him and that in him our joy overflows into a life of service to others. People think that they're saved but only live for themselves and their own happiness to the neglect of others. They are deceived because I love this because it says that we might serve him without fear. True salvation True salvation always results in a holy life given over to serving our gracious God who has granted deliverance to us from the bondage of our sin. I know who I was. I know where I came from. But more importantly, I know where I'm headed. 
See, Zacharias' prophecy tells us that the real meaning of Christmas isn't giving. At least for our part. It's receiving. It's receiving. Here's why. At the heart of Christmas is the wonderful news that God sent his only son to earth to give himself on the cross to save us from our sins. You can't repay a gift like that. You can't match that gift. All you can do is receive it. It was infinitely costly to God. But it's totally free to us. So the spirit of Christmas is receiving because the heart of Christmas is God's grace, which can only be received. You know, as I wrap this up, I'm going to ask Dallas to, to come back up. And I want each of you to know the real joy of Christmas. You know, the angel announced the source of that joy to the shepherds on that first Christmas night. He said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Which shall be for all the people, for today in the city of David there has been born for you. For you, and you, and you, and you, and you, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The great joy of Christmas comes through receiving God's gift of the Savior, Christ the Lord. If you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior, you need to understand that you sit in darkness and the shadow of death. But through my words today, God is visiting you with the good news that he is merciful to sinners. Ask him. Ask him to shine into your heart and guide you in the way of peace. Repent of your sins and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And when you turn to Christ, you will know that his tender mercy forgives all of your sins. You will know the real meaning of Christmas. That God sent us his son, a savior, who is Jesus Christ. That's Christmas. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you gave us Jesus to be our Savior.